0: I think I've got a tough job this morning. I've been um, grappling with this message for quite a few weeks because um, it came up from the church meeting that we ought to address the area of giving as a church. And also, um, I've been thinking and praying about it, and I was speaking to Pete on Friday and we were talking about what's the best angle to take this and first thing that Pete said was that this is not an appeal. This is not a fundraising campaign. But the angle that I would like for us to look at this morning and probably is going to prop up in other conversations is that when we talk about giving we talk about a worship lifestyle. When we talk about giving, we talk about deepening, rooting our discipleship, our pursuit of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I say this for a lot of things, but I want to say this as well for this case, that I don't stand here in front of you as someone that I've sussed it out. So... Join the club. But I have had some questions this week, and I'd like to, to present them to you. And maybe some of them are not valid at all for you. But it's fine. Some of them are maybe valid to you. So my initial question is, if it comes to the area of giving, why should I be giving to a local church? Well, the other question is, with this in mind, how can I give when I have got debt or other financial commitments? How much should I give? How much is too much? How much is too little? Is it only money? How does my giving address or relate to my godly character, my spiritual health? And as a result of that, how is this connected with the community of the believers? With so many goods and valid causes, why should we continue to give to the local church? Is the desire for financial security healthy? Am I valued? Am I comfortable? Am I enslaved by trying to find security in an unstable reality? What would happen if that security was to be captured by the glory of God? So these are the questions that I've had this week. Um, We've had this conversation with the leadership for quite a while, and uh, Jenny also found uh, one of the papers that uh, Paul Langham from Christchurch Clifton has written on the area of giving. Uh, I've got some copies, hard copies here. If you want them after the service, I can give them to you. But if you want them sent to you electronically, please let us know. But the conversation has been: How can we, how can we address giving in a way that it's not taboo, but it's an uh, it's an embracement of our spirituality, of our walk with Jesus? And if we look in the Old Testament, it was very clear. The rules were very set. And as I've been looking in all the different examples of giving, tithing, offering, sacrificial system, one thing that was very staggering for me, which I never thought about before, is that God gives an opportunity to everybody to give. If you think of the sacrificial system, you know that the priest had to Come to the temple, sacrifice um, a calf, and then so were the rulers, and so forth. And then it goes, the list goes down to those people who could not afford. And for them, a plate of plain flour was sufficient. So, also in that, they could acknowledge their reliance on God. When we move into the New Testament, it's very interesting to see Jesus' take on the Gospels when it comes to giving. Because when he talks about the parables, especially the parable of the talents, or on the Sermon of the Mount, there are other passages as well, Jesus always refers to the giving with stewardship in mind. Jesus always addresses the giving, whether it's bad stewardship of what God had entrusted them, us, or if it's good stewardship. And then we've got the new covenant, which totally revolutionizes the mission of God. I think the new covenant has got a different dynamics of kingdom because... All of a sudden, the sacrificial system is fulfilled in Christ. From the sacrificial system to one sacrificed once and for all. But also, the dynamics of the kingdom have changed from a stationary tabernacle, temple, the Ark of the Covenant, all those things of the Old Testament, this has changed now to Acts eight, To an embracement of all the world. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the corners of the world. So, that means that the promises of the Old Testament and all that Old Testament teaching is fulfilled in Jesus, and therefore, when Jesus gives the mandate to the church to carry on and make disciples, this is fascinating. Because we're seeing a different dynamic of the kingdom of God. We're seeing a different expression. We're seeing a different expansion of the love of God for the whole world. So when we talk about giving, why do we always that's a very sweeping statement why do we well why do I always I equate it with money? Is it because we live in a society that everything that we do, whether it's time whether it's energy, whether it's space, whether it's possessions, whether it's talents, whether it's status, whether it's everything that has to do with this, equals money. And then when we talk about money, the Lord Jesus was very clear in his teachings that we cannot have two masters. We can either serve God or money. When I talk about giving, and when I stand here in front of you about giving... I don't want to equate it with money, because when church was called to carry on with the mandate of Christ, we was not doing something that was conforming with whatever was going on in that day and age, they were called to be the pillar of truth. They were called to be the bride of Christ. They were called, well, we still are called to be the bride of Christ. So there there should be a cutting edge of difference in our community, in the way that we do things, in the way that we consider giving. But unfortunately, we have inherited some pitfalls and some misconceptions with the baggage of our church history and the baggage of the present times and the baggage of the past 10 years, the baggage of the prosperity gospel, and all those things that were here. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves confused. Even confused.com doesn't have the solution for that. Pitfall number one, and I'm not going to number them all, but we start off thinking that all of a sudden, when we talk about giving, we are bound into a set of legalistic rules. And we end up having set views about what should be the norm. And again, it's not about money. The other pitfall is the guilt. How much is too much and how much is too little? And guilt also comes as a result of the legalism that we have endorsed. Another pitfall is pride and self-importance. And that is accompanied not only with ourselves, but any wrong motive that comes with our giving. I was chatting to Ruth, and Ruth as well said, I said to her, what will be another pitfall? And she said... It's penny-pinching with percentages. Another thing that we have inherited from church history, and I don't think we've sorted out yet, because it's a conversation that you hear with other church leaders and stuff, is that somehow we've got this um, division in our our minds, this ranking, that you've got this club called church, and everybody is ranked according to to their giving. Another pitfall is, what is the basis of my generosity? Is it my own calculations? Is it the message that I give to the others? Is it my charitable status I give to this, that, 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 and therefore, I'm a very good person? Another pitfall is, generous with what we do not have but stingy with what we have i read an illustration there were two people asking one another if you had 15 if you had 20 cars would you give me half of them yes i would if you had 10 cars would you give me half of them yes i would If you had two cars, would you give me half of them? How do you know I've got two cars? When we've got the generosity with what we do not have, but stingy with what we have. You might think of other pitfalls and misconceptions about giving, and I'm more than happy to to chat to you about that because I would like to enlarge the list here. But also, on the other hand, I want to see giving with a very cutting edge, with opportunities and blessing. So, the question that I have is that in us, in me, not giving or pursuing my giving as my act of worship, as my deepening of my discipleship, am I missing out? Because when we give to God, the opportunity... And the blessing of the expansion of his kingdom is there. It's for us. It's the legacy that he left for the church. We talked about deepening. This is another opportunity that I challenge myself in my generosity, in my giving, that am I developing my own discipleship? Am I developing my own discipleship to the extent that I am free to give sacrificially. Jane mentioned the story of the feeding of the 4,000. If you look three or four chapters before that, or if you look at John 6, you've got the story of feeding of the 5,000. And very interesting is that you've got one little boy with five loaves and two fish. Would he be the solution to the whole crowd? Yes. Do you know why? Because those five loaves and two fish are left in the secured hands of Jesus Christ. Have a look at the conversation that Jesus has with the disciples about this. John 6 talks about it. And he says, we've got only one little boy with five fish... I'll read it, because I love it. John 6, verse 7. Oh, let's start with verse 5. Lifting up his eyes, then seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus says to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii would not buy enough bread. Philip, you're talking about money. Jesus said, how much do we need to feed these people? And Philip always, all of a sudden, equates everything with money. One of his disciples, verse 8, Andrew Simon Peter's brother said, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Time? Energy? Space? Possessions? Ooh, that packed lunch. I remember the times growing up. And especially going to the beach. And I would go with a friends of mine. I mean, we'd take permission from the parents, but not always. But I knew that I would have this packed lunch. And the, the, the days of, on the beach were so long. We would leave 7.30 and we'd come back 5 o'clock. So that lunch was very precious. It was very precious. And to be offered your lunch to somebody when you've just been swimming and puddling around and messing about at the seafront... It's tremendous. But here's this little boy. He probably doesn't have a concept that perhaps what he's going to do with this, Jesus is going to feed all these people. But voila, there it is. And even the disciple says, here it is, but I don't know what to do with them because it's not enough. Developing our discipleship, freedom of giving sacrificially. Five loaves of barley bread and two fish. Also, the other opportunity is that if we are given the fruit of the Spirit, generosity is part of that. So what are we doing to help, or what are we doing to uh, be ripening the fruit of the Spirit? The other opportunity is that in us giving sacrificially, we've got the opportunity and the blessing to be aware, more aware, on relying on the generous God. This is my personal testimony. I think I shared it with the discipleship group two weeks ago. Coming from Albania and living a life of faith, has been more rewarding than having a guaranteed stipend. Because sometimes I take that monthly salary for granted. And I lose the sense of the awareness that still for that I need to rely on God. I am missing out on this opportunity. And it needs to be sharpened. Another opportunity is that generosity can be contagious. Generosity breeds generosity. Because once we're starting being generous in our giving, we can give, and then people are part of our, on the receiving end, and then they're ignited, they're encouraged, they're excited to give. And also, by having this generosity, breeding, we also make a difference in someone's life through the ministry of this church, through the ministry of each of you individually. So today, this morning, I wanted to look at this in the light of our giving, in the light of our lordship, of Jesus' lordship over us. I wanted to look at it in the light of God's glory, because when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're not talking about a numeric number years of reign. We're talking about the kingdom of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ. And we are part of the kingdom. So, if, if we think that Jesus, if we have sang, if we have prayed that Jesus is a glorious king... If we look at our giving, giving in, in the angle of God receiving the glory by us showing our reliance on him, but also look at it in the angle that, in the end of the day, recognizing that God is the owner of everything that we have. Does that make a difference? I read Psalm 145 when I started, and I would like to finish with reading Psalm 145, verses 11 and 12. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom, and they shall talk of your power, to make known to the sons of men your mighty acts, and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. I'll repeat it again. Today is not an appeal for raising funds but rather an opportunity to remind myself, to remind you, to encourage and affirm you in our giving as our act of worship to our mighty God. Generosity is based on the fact that God is generous to you and to me. If you're giving enough to God, you'll feel it. If you cannot fill it, you're not giving enough. Let's pray. Lord, we have sang this morning about your glory, about your kingship, about your lordship. And we mean that, Lord. So, as we've been challenged by your word, as we've been challenged by one another this week, I have. Lord, as we think of this and we bring this to you, we pray that this is going to be something that is dealt between you and me, Lord, in a way that gives glory to your name and acknowledges once again the power of Jesus being Lord over my life and all that I owe. So Holy Spirit, you are the helper. You are the counselor. You are the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you help us in this area as we calibrate our conscience, as we calibrate our spiritual health, as we calibrate our discipleship with a great example on earth, Jesus Christ who didn't have a wallet, and in whose name we pray and ask for help. Amen.